Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I saw that United Airlines has instructed its flight crew not to use duct tape when dealing with unruly passengers. Don't use it. Yep. Flight attendants heard and were like, okay, tasers it is. Okay, well... Yeah, that's a actual story we did earlier. Apparently, they don't surprise got a United because they're evil people over there, as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> at least that's been my experience. Uh, they don't want to duct tape you to the seat. It said they've what's got other duct tape. They've got other ways to handle it. Yeah, what's wrong yeah, with duct what tape? What do they have? What are they talking about? They're gonna throw a hot pot of coffee in your face and then <laughs> knee in your uh, your 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 nether regions or or what? Run you over with the beverage cart? Cattle prods? I don't know. Shove you off the wing. So uh, coming up, we'll give you a break. Um, I need to take a mental break for a second. But coming up, Axios laid out what Biden knew. Axios is good. Jonathan Swad's good. And Axios with what Biden knew. And that is what these hearings are going to get down to whenever they finally have them. His... His uh, meandering excuses of nobody could predict this. Nobody saw this coming. These are going to be, they've already been laid bare as as ridiculous by Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, lots of different reporters. But uh, I think these congressional hearings will get to it. If he's still around then, I don't know, by the time they do these hearings, I don't know. Well, and I think it's it's a truly hilarious uh, hilarious example of Kamala Harris's uh, wonderful po- political instincts that she just did an interview, making it just cl- swearing that she is at the very center of the decision making process in the Biden administration. Just perfect, Kamala. Joe Biden has been president for seven months. Yeah, he's got three and a half years left. They're taking on water in a hurry, too. Well, he'll, he's going to serve two years in a day if he makes it that far. So a different topic, taxes, this just out. You know the number that a lot of us who do have to pay taxes, that number that comes out every year of how many people don't, how many households don't pay any federal income taxes, which is always uh, quite amazing. 61% of households no, owed no federal income taxes last year. 61%. Uh, roughly 107 million households were non-payers in 2020. It's highest percentage ever. Uh, this article from The Hill has uh, TPC senior fellow Howard Gleckman. He does good work. Uh, he noted that the blah, 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 the COVID extreme situations, but they've never, he said these numbers are eye-popping. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, and I've maintained for years that is not about uh, mercy and and helping out the poor. It's about narrowing the tax base as much as possible so that the percentage of voters who are actually concerned about the way the government runs its business is very, very small. So you, so you dole out money, um, but you have a very small group of people who, who provide that money. And honestly, at the higher end of that, those people have the tax code written for them anyway. So it is... You know, to use a historical term, it's the merchant class. It's business people. It's the producers of America. It's the uh, entrepreneurs and the builders of some level of wealth who get absolutely soaked. And you then dole out money to the poorer 61%, and they will always vote for you. 
And then the top 1% or the top 10th of a percent, you've got them in your pocket anyway because they have you in their pocket. No wonder when you complain about taxes, it falls on deaf ears. 60% of the people don't care. Right. Wow, that's amazing. All right. Well, that's that story. Yeah, it's a straight out of the real politic political theory of my favorite book about politics that I've read maybe ever, and that's the Dictator's Handbook, um, which is not about dictators per se. It's about dictators and democracies and how they get loyalty and how they build support and how they hold on to power. So anyway, I mean, it's as obvious as can be once you're once it's explained to you. But, uh, you know, people still fall for the claims of justice and income inequities and, you know, redistribution of stuff. Nah, they're just trying to hold on to power. Hard to scroll through the news without finding more people beating up on Joe Biden, including from his own side. Obama's former chief strategist, David Axelrod, said last night that Joe Biden obviously didn't look at the intelligence right and didn't get it right in Afghanistan and should come clean and admit his failures. It's a heck of a thing, since uh, Axelrod, I'm sure, had a hand in choosing Joe Biden to be the vice president. But it's obvious, so what else are you going to say? Yeah, I'm telling you, there was a substantial feeling of, you remember Obama said, Joe, you don't have to do this. Because he knew, he knew Biden is A, not really competent at much and be fading badly as age takes its toll. And I wonder, you know, I'd like to think the American media has recaptured its, uh, has, has glanced again at its purpose statement framed on the wall that it's supposed to be there to hold government accountable and, and, and tell the truth and speak truth to power and the rest of it. It could just be the Democratic establishment has put out the word, we're pivoting away from Biden. We're pivoting away from Biden. Biden is not the Democratic Party. He's, a, he's old. He's incompetent. We're going to push him aside. We're rebranding, folks. Rebranding. So, uh, speaking of beating up on Joe Biden, I mentioned this last hour. Washington Post with a pretty strong article today about why they think the Biden administration didn't get those visas out to all those uh, Afghanistan nationals who helped us. I'll just read from the article in the Washington Post. Uh, This is quoting uh, a Republican, Peter Major of Michigan. At every stage, the administration expressed nominal support for the SIV program. That's the special visas to get them out. While saying that bureaucratic hurdles prevented faster work. He's part of this representative major is part of a bipartisan group of lawmakers that pushed the White House to move more quickly. At every point that had an excuse thrown up, we went and we fixed the excuse right away, Major said. So at the end of the day, I can't help but come to the conclusion that they just didn't want to deal with this issue and put up every roadblock possible to it happening. They were worried about the optics because they lost control of the southern border, he said, accusing the administration of leaving our Afghan friends uh, to hang in the wind. Then the chairman of No One Left Behind, which you were talking about, that organization, nonprofit group that helps former translators and others navigate the visa process, described months of inconclusive conversations with administration officials. Advocates warned that this could go bad very fast and that the administration needed contingency plans to move within the Afghanistan to get these people out. But they couldn't get anybody to call them back. This was a very proactive campaign from outside groups to help. All we asked for was a plan. Whatever they wanted to do, we were standing by to support, but then they didn't do anything. So that conveniently calls out the lies of, A, well, the Afghans didn't want to leave, and B, 
nobody had any idea it would collapse this fast. They're specifically warning against that and showing them plans to deal with it. Dude from No One Left Behind said this. He said he believes he has the reason why they did it. There are people looking at what's happening at the border and saying, well, we can't all of a sudden be bringing in refugees from Afghanistan when we've got all these people crossing the southern border. We'll get hammered on immigration. Wow. The Washington Post did this article. Wow. That could be that could be a scandal that does you in. If they can confirm that in any way whatsoever. I mean, if one person comes forward with a quote that could back that up inside the on administration. The yeah, on the record. That you let all the you're gonna let all these translators and their families be murdered by the Taliban because you thought, well, we got a border problem and you combine the two, and man, the Republicans will really eat our lunch on this. So let's drag our yeah. feet. That's I, I mean, if the Washington Post was doing this about Trump, I'd be saying, come on, you quote two people and they're both anti-Biden and you create a story around it. I don't know if the Washington Post just believes that that's what happened or they've turned on Joe Biden or they just I don't know what, but that's that is something. You know, I have in front of me uh, a really good editorial um, from, I think it was, uh, gosh, Politico or somebody like that, about all of the problems, both uh, immediate and like a few days to a few weeks away from really causing problems for the administration. And, and, and it's really, really persuasive. And it doesn't even include the horrifying deaths of God knows how many Americans. I mean, five would be plenty. It could be 5,000. Yep. Um. Yeah. Wow. This is crazy. These these are roiled times. Oh, this this is not a story that's over, and now we're doing the the autopsy on it. We're right in the middle of like Joe was just saying, where it could go so bad, it could go so bad. People are talking about this in a hundred years. Right. And it's all. In about- fact, it's difficult to imagine how we avoid that. Honestly, the Taliban keeps all of its people disciplined. In service of getting thousands of Americans home. That's what we're depending on. A couple of states, California and Washington, went further than any other states have so far on uh, the COVID story. Washington with vaccinations and California with proof of vaccination. So we can tell you all about that because maybe that's coming to your state. I don't know. All on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Not all Americans are in favor of even one vaccine. In San Diego, a bunch of these uh, folks uh, came out to protest vaccine mandates at a board of supervisors meeting. To the men that have shown up, oh, that's been super hot. I've been waiting for you guys to get up here and, and just roar like a lion. That's awesome. You get it, girl. You can catch her in the new reality dating show, The anti vaxlerette <laughs> Ryan, will you accept this pathogen? <coughs> hey, play the other one where he, uh, he gets into that stuff that we did yesterday, uh, 7. Play that one again. Matt's speech got pretty intense. 
your children and your children's children will be subjugated. They will be asked, how many vaccines have you had? Have you been a good little Nazi? Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! I can see you're passionate. I can see this is important to you, but I just want to remind you of the phrase, you catch more flies with honey than you do with crystal meth. <laughs> They're going to have to sell tickets to the next supervisor's meeting oh. <laughs> in San Diego. I tell you what, if he, if that, uh, if Roaring Guy's at the top of the bill, I'm showing up. <laughs> you got to. I mean, it's like a, a festival. We'll have Roaring Nazi Guy. We'll have Cute Sarcastic Mom. We'll have, I'm thinking of the cast of characters we listened to yesterday, and I've seen even more videos today. There's quite a... Uh, quite a lineup of people there. I tell you what, as we and we got a little more COVID stuff for you. Well, go ahead, you do your thing, then I'll I'll make my little comment. Two uh, examples of states raising the bar or lowering the bar, depending on how you look at it. But Washington is now the first state that's requiring everybody that works at the school has to be vaccinated, and you got to get it done by October eighteenth, or you're gonzo. They're going to fire you. Uh, so everybody's got to get vaccinated at the school. I assume there's going to be challenges to that, and it'll be a court case or something like that. But So nobody's gone that far in any state. And now California is becoming the first state to require vaccinations or testing for all indoor events more than 1,000 people. There's more than 1,000 people there. Anything it is, got to show you've been vaccinated. I wish I owned a 998-person hall. I'd get every show in California booked in. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, so we'll see how this flies. Here's all you have to know about uh, what's going to what the next few months are going to look like as nobody can agree on masks or vaccines or mandates or vaccine passports or schools open, schools closed, kids masked or not. Uh, here's all you need to know. And this is not good. <laughs> Israel is getting absolutely hammered with the Delta variant. They've had to reinstitute, uh, reinstitute all sorts of measures. In, it, it, Israel, the gold standard for obedience, cooperation, vaccinations, the rest of it. They have something. What, have you heard lately their vaccination percentage? It's around 80 percent, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, they, they were the best in the world on pretty much every metric there for a while. Yeah, and while every single news story or every single politician pretends that they're completely, completely uh, authoritative when they tell you that this measure that you're supposed to do will work, and if you don't do it, you're a bad person, or vice versa, those people are every bit as confident that their information is rock solid. What we're actually going to be doing is swimming through a sea of uncertainty, just like we've been for the last year and a half. Hey, la, hey, la. I intend to just live my life, hope I don't die from the vid. You know, I'm a vaccinated guy. I'm going to get the booster shot. You do whatever you want. Uh, Let's get on with it. We have to learn to live with this thing. It's never going away. Coming up from Axios, they're fair. What Biden knew and when he knew it, or should have known it. And the National Review, Jim Garrity, and I'll admit the National Review is not going to be exactly fair to Joe Biden, but Jim Garrity's article, Something is Wrong with the President, and he lays out a case that is pretty good. I don't think there's a counter case. Yeah, well, so stay tuned for that. Will do. Can't wait. MasterCard users. I don't know if I've ever had a MasterCard. I think I've only had Visa cards. MasterCard users. uh... 
an Amex okay. at this point. MasterCard users say goodbye to the magnetic. No, I'm not just. I'm not, I'm just. I'm running this through my mind. I don't think I've ever had a Master. I've just had gift cards. I think Mastercard. You know those cash cards. Anyway, go ahead. They're getting rid of the magnetic stripe on their cards. And no, no. going chip. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the only reason I bring this up because I don't care about that. The only reason I bring that up is it's amazing how much credit card machines vary. And it seems to me that the private little companies are doing way better. So, like, if I go to a, the, I was at a cookie store the other day, all they said was cookies, and they like a oh, lot. That's of... exactly what you need, Porky. <laughs> what are you doing? What's the matter with you? You need a minder. Come on, that's not your point. But, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. I ate fast food twice yesterday, two different restaurants. <laughs> I ate at <laughs> I ate at Wendy's and Sonic. <laughs> He gets the rare double fast. Wendy's for lunch and Sonic for dinner. What is? I'm a completely off the rails. Clearly, um, and you're so disciplined for so long. I know. Well, I but I only ate in a five and a half hour period, so I ate crap. Oh, okay. But I ate it in a small period of time. I'm right. out of time now. But so little mom and pop joints, they buy the little Apple thing. Like Apple makes a reader for your credit card. They work instantly. You go to your grocery store, your multi-billion-dollar nationwide chain. They got the old credit card thing. It n- never works. It takes like five minutes for it to go through. Hey, do the same thing the little guy's doing. Get the fast reading machines, dudes. And it always looks like it has other people's hand money on it. Too. <laughs> yeah, and clean them occasionally. So gross. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. A weird response to that. I think that George Stephanopoulos brought up not the most important part of the interview in terms of, uh, you know, the particulars, but just it was a weird reaction, like like really bristled at it. Why? He does that a fair amount. Snaps at reporters. How how did Mr. Compassion have no compassion for what's going on? Was there any compassion in that interview? I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only heard the clips, but at any point, because he didn't in his speech the other day either. The the most compassionate politician uh, that I can remember, who that's his whole thing, is empathy for a you know a, a bunch of people in a room and everything like that. And no, no, I'm scanning my memory banks for for anything. Either U.S. citizens or Afghans, Afghanis or anybody. Anyway, um, Axios out with what Biden knew, and they run through all the things that we now know, uh, and some of these have been reported and we've talked about from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, but all kinds of classified assessments by American spy agencies over the summer painted an increasingly grim picture of the Taliban takeover and a rapid collapse. New York Times reported that earlier this week. Wall Street Journal had generals and diplomats gave similar warnings. Also in the Wall Street Journal on how uh, his entire security team thought that a hasty withdrawal would undermine security in Afghanistan, and he ignored them. There is all kinds of... So him telling Stephanopoulos, nobody could see this coming. Nobody knew this. Nobody predicted this. And the general saying the same thing yesterday. Yeah, according to uh, reports from serious news organizations, you told him it wasn't going to work. But he over 
rode you, and now you're backing him up, I guess, because you're being loyal. I don't know. Well, right. You got the official story. You got the talking points. You stick with them. Um, So there's that. It kind of fits into this. Something is wrong with the president, Jim Garrity, in uh, National Review. And uh, National Review is, uh, you know, pretty partisan outfit, and they're going to be that way. But this is some good, good, good stuff, I think. On the menu today, the transcript of President Joe Biden's interview with George Stephanopoulos, it dropped in the president's incoherence, insistence that he was incorrectly briefed, denial that he was warned by military advisors, and oddly low profile in the past week raised troubling questions about his ability to perform his duty, his duties. What's going on with the president? After making no public appearances for four days during a major foreign crisis, that's not getting enough attention. When has right. that ever happened? George Bush flew back to the White House later that day against the insistence of the Secret Service on 9-11. And, I mean, anyway, after making no public appearances for four days during a major foreign crisis, President Biden read a 20-minute speech off a teleprompter on Monday and took no questions. He immediately returned to Camp David. He had no events on his schedule Tuesday. On Wednesday, he gave another 20-minute speech about vaccine boosters off a teleprompter from Camp David and again took no questions. And then also on Wednesday, the president sat for an on-camera interview with George Stephanopoulos that did not go go well. According to the White House Public Records, Biden has had two phone conversations with foreign leaders in the past 10 days, one with Boris Johnson, one with Angela Merkel. As of this writing, Biden has no public events on the schedule for today. He's scheduled to receive the president's daily briefing from the intelligence community and meet with his national security team. According to the Federal Aviation Administration, he's scheduled to return to his house in Delaware today. This is a highly unusual schedule for a president during a foreign policy crisis. Yes, a president can perform his job anywhere, whether it's Camp David or his own private residence, but Biden has barely been appearing in public, not saying much of anything when he does, and not answering questions to anyone outside of his lone scheduled interview, and sounding angry when he did face questions from Stephanopoulos. And then they go through some of the questions and answers and how they don't fit with some of the things that are known now. Um... For instance, back in July 8th, when uh, Joe Biden assured us all that the the Taliban could not overrun the country, the president either does not remember what he said on July 8th, or he's simply trying to gaslight everyone into believing that he did warn of the Afghan collapse. I heard a good comment the other day. Actually, it might have been Garrity who said it. Um, After that speech the other day, I was afraid all the straw men would catch on fire from the gaslighting. (laughs) Oh, man, that is pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty clever. And and he he quoted somebody else, and I thought this was a good one, uh, that somebody said it was a very Trump-like speech in, in that Joe Biden basically said, I prefer countries that don't get taken over. Oh, boy. It's pretty good also. Yeah. Yeah. Not only lack of compassion for the Americans or the Afghans who are enduring the Taliban, but they're chickens. They cut and run. Right. Condemnation. Yeah. And uh, uh, Charlie C.W. Cook pointed out that he blamed everyone except for the Taliban. He blamed uh, former politicians and Congress and Intel and uh, the Afghan army and their leadership, all kind, but no blame at any point for the Taliban being really bad guys. Wow, maybe yeah, that is odd. Maybe a word about how bad the Taliban are and those poor people who live in that country and how awful it is. Maybe something. Well, and what's especially odd is that you know somebody wrote that speech. I mean, I'm sure he had input, but nobody thought to toss some of that in there. Yeah, maybe it was because the Taliban has fifteen thousand of our people hostage. Could be. 
That might be a good reason. Back to the National Review piece. This morning, Douglas London, a former CIA counterterrorism chief and former member of Biden's counterterrorism working group, he was in the Biden administration, writes that the president is lying. Ultimately, it was assessed Afghan forces might capitulate within days under the circumstances we witnessed and projections highlighted to Trump officials and future Biden officials alike. Uh, if he if a guy like that gets called in front of the, one of these committees and says that, that's going to really be rough. Um, they talk about Biden getting mad about that was four days ago, five days ago, Biden interjected from the clip we just played. It was two days ago, but that's not really what's important here. What is spectacularly odd is that as Biden is reacting as if he thinks Stephanopoulos was bringing up irrelevant ancient history. Why was Biden indignant that Stephanopoulos was bringing about these horrifying sites? Perhaps the most unsettling was President Biden's insistence that nothing could have been done any differently and that none of the horrors we are witnessing could have been prevented. Um, and we, we played that clip earlier where Stephanopoulos says, you don't think he could have done anything any differently? And Biden says, no. Biden is now insisting that the chaos of a Taliban takeover was inevitable, even though he stood before the country on July 8th and said the opposite. Um, So it was inevitable, but nobody saw it coming. Right. There's another piece of this I wanted to get on. And in July, he said it was impossible. Okay. Uh, Joe Ralston, no knee-jerk critic of Biden, was appalled at some of these answers. This is so bad. No mistakes, no responsibility, no contrition. My God. The obvious answer to why Biden rarely appears on camera or takes questions is because every time he does, he inflicts more damage upon himself and his agenda. That's true. The president, whose empathy is endlessly touted, now sounds cold and dismissive when asked about Afghans desperately crowding into American planes or falling to their deaths. All of the available evidence indicates that the president ignored the warnings of his foreign policy team, withdrew the armed forces before evacuating the civilians, gave up Bagram Air Force Base, and is now in a large-scale foreign crisis, foreign policy crisis that is mostly the result of his own choices. There's no good defense to be made. So when cornered, the president invoked his late son's military service. I have not seen that part of the interview where oh, he brings up boy. his son, Bo. No, nor have I. And then uh, Garrity ends with this. The president turned 79 in November. His last released summary of his health condition was December of 2019. In May, a White House spokesman said Biden had not had a medical checkup or taken a physical this year, but that he would by the end of the year. There have been no updates on the president's health since. Uh, Back on July 26th, John Ellis astutely analyzed how it was acceptable to acknowledge Biden's age and mental condition if you use certain euphemisms. Somewhere along the last few years, Biden transitioned from young old to old. Veteran reporters described the transition in code. He's lost a step or two, or he's lost something off his fastball. Something is wrong with President Biden, and we're all being asked to pretend we don't notice. You know? I, I think it's it's clear. It's unavoidable. It's I, obvious. I was thinking that that kind of talk was just you being trying to be funny or... What? Outrageous or... I demand you take everything I say 100% seriously in the future. But foreign policy crisis, four days of not being around the White House, you just stay at Camp David and now you're going to your home in Delaware. You don't take any questions. I think he probably gets up in the morning and they assess his uh, mental acuity. And and this is not, I take no glee in saying this, this God forbid. This is not good on double levels. 
Right. You know, you don't want a president who's incompetent, and you don't want Kamala Harris to be president. So it's doubly a problem. <laughs> well, just on a, on a human level, I would I would never mock anybody for the ravages of age. God forbid. You know, there but for the grace of the Almighty go we, and, and we might go there anyway. Um, so, yeah, and it's not good for national security, but... Uh, it's got to be. It's got to move from open secret to open discussion soon, doesn't it? I mean, if it continues to be this obvious now, from a purely national security point of view, I appreciate them keeping it under wraps as much as they possibly can. No, I was, just don't know how possible that is. It was a good idea to keep it a secret that Woodrow Wilson was incapacitated the last six months of his presidency. How about that he was a raving racist, as was the entire progressive <laughs> movement. Um. Different topic for a different day, but good point. Uh, Joe, everybody, we all know this. You know, people who've had parents or whoever deal with this sort of stuff, they have good days and they have bad days. Some days they're pretty alert, and some days they really, really aren't. And I wonder if you're right about that. They, 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 they assess or he assesses. He might, I don't know. I don't know what to extent, to what extent he can assess himself, but. It's weird to have a major foreign policy crisis, and you just disappear. He's in hiding. I mean, he's hearing from his national security folks. That's good, obviously, getting his uh, his daily briefing. But the idea that there are no cabinet meetings, there are no uh, meetings with the Joint Chiefs, there are no meetings with the CIA, anything like that, um, well, there's, that's disturbing. There's no denying, I don't think. Every time he answers questions, he makes things worse for himself. It doesn't make things better. You'd only answer questions if you make things better. Right. And why his house and not Camp David? I mean, Camp David isn't the White House, but it's got a fully set up situation room and the rest of it. I think he's going home like elephants. Oh, my. Hmm. Well, that's a headline. Joe Biden goes home to die. Broadcast reports claim Biden near death. I don't know about that. I don't know. Do you think there's anything wrong with the president? Text line 415-295-KFTC. And, you know, speaking of the media covering it up, oh, they're constantly, when Trump was president, MSNBC, CNN, having various psychologists on and health experts. of Is this a sign of late-stage senility? Uh, How about any of this Joe Biden stuff? You want to have a health expert on to talk about that? I didn't think it was fair before, and it wouldn't be fair now, diagnosing somebody from afar, but... um, you certainly thought it was fair game whenever Trump said something weird. Although at a certain point, if a guy's walking down a street, he clutches his chest, he said, oh, my God, my heart, and he falls over, and you diagnose a heart attack from afar, I don't think that's completely irresponsible. You know what they got to do? they got to give Biden the old dog chair boat test that Trump took. <laughs> he aced it. He's, they said that was the highest scores they'd ever seen. they got to give Biden that test. I don't think he could pass it. Oh, boy. Uh, what do you think? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Pro- productive segment, wasn't it? Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to get everyone uh, that we can possibly uh, evacuate, evacuate. And I'll do that as long as we possibly can until the clock runs out or we run out of capability. We have seen reports 
that the Taliban, contrary to their public statements and their commitments to our government, are blocking Afghans who wish to leave the country from reaching the airport. We expect them to allow all American citizens, all third country nationals, and all Afghans who wish to leave to do so safely and without harassment. That's embarrassing. That is just embarrassing. The State Department official, act, uh, I, I, she probably believes, she probably believes in the WHO and the UN and all international bodies that when they tongue-lash the evildoers of the world that they give a crap, but they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless there's an unspoken, and we told you what's going to happen if you don't. Like you said you earlier. Know, then I could live with it. Do that behind the scenes, because this looks pathetic. The facts on the ground make it very clear the Taliban is letting whoever gets to the airport get to the airport. And as the Secretary of Defense just said, we don't have the ability to go get the people ourselves. So it's up to the Taliban to let them in. And then the State Department official is going to, you better do it, or there'll be heck to pay. You'll lose your legitimacy. You know, I want to I wanna play this tape just because it's so good. This is Mara Liason from Liberal. NPR, clip 47. The messages from the White House are so confusing. I mean, basically, the message from Biden today on ABC is it had to be this way. There was no alternative, and he seems to suggest, since he said it was priced in, that he knew it was going to happen. But then you have General Milley saying that there was no intelligence that suggested that the Afghan government and military would collapse in 11 days. You also have Joe Biden back on July 8th when he was asked, your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. He said that's not true. So was he blindsided? Was he not blindsided? It just, it, it, we can't get a, a kind of straight picture of what happened. Um, and to say that this was the only way things could have unfolded, I think is just not a good enough answer. I wish the vice president wasn't an utterly useless, you know, mediocrity as they would have said back in the day when they said when they used more fancy words than we do these days mm. that's the perfect description for kamala harris i think she's a mediocrity come on now so we haven't mentioned this today uh but there has been a guy in washington dc with his car parked uh downtown claiming he's got a bomb in there and it's been there for hours and he's been live streaming. Um, wow! Sni- really? Sniper's got a gun on him, but they're afraid he might blow the thing up. So, see how that turns out today. Arm. Oh, anyway, we need this. Who wants final thoughts? Who wants final thoughts? Go have some final thoughts! Hooray! <laughs> Here's your host, Joe Getty. Thank you, Jack. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo keeps us on the air, presses the buttons, runs the computers. Michael, final thought. You guys have always thought I was crazy for thinking this, but I'm going to say in six months, there will be a Joe Biden lookalike in the White House that will come out for press conferences wow. and stuff like that. Wow. I know you think it's crazy. I think it's going to happen. Producer Alex, <laughs> do you have a final thought for us? I do. Last week, Northrop Grumman launched some supplies to the space station, including a pizza delivery. I like to think that at least someone's order was wrong on there. Like, they forgot to drink, or oh, I asked for no olives, and I wonder what the return policy is on that. <laughs> uh, just give it to me. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? What's my bottom going to look like on my eating situation? i got to hit bottom at some point. I ate lunch at Wendy's and dinner at the Sonic. I ate fast food 
twice in one day. That is... It's unheard of. Even in my life, that's unheard of. I don't think I've ever eaten fast food twice in one day. Was it burgers both places? I did burger for lunch, and then I did chicken sandwich and b- b- breakfast burrito for dinner. Ooh. But fast food. I pity man. your colon. I'll tell you what, at the end of it, I felt sick. I went to bed just feeling gross. So my final thoughts, you remember I was uh, I actually made a joke with uh, Ian Bremmer about this. Judy and I have been waiting for our dining room set for six months or more. Uh, the table is finally in, ready to be delivered. I just got a text from Judy. They've canceled the delivery because all the delivery guys have the COVID. Wow. Are Boy. you shitting me? Seriously, Ian. Seriously. May you live in interesting times. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people. Thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Check out all the hot links there. You can email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Grab yourself some swag. Manda, I recommend the gray t-shirt with the red, white, and blue logo. It's fabulous. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. You're opening the aperture. I was wondering you know, what you felt about that. No, thank you. I don't want to hear a blip from you. It's a little too much docky dog. I think we should reject and stand up to crazy people. This is a president who has an extraordinary amount of courage. That was four days ago, five days ago. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs>